Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert, Experts on Expert. I'm Dan Lee Carr. I'm joined by Monica Lee Carr. And of course, our guest is the one and only, our mother, Erin Lee Carr. And I'll repeat. Oh, yeah, she's back again. We love her. We love her. We love her documentaries. And she has one that is very tasty, very uh, debate-inspiring. Oh, it's tasty. Very relevant of the times. Very, very relevant. She's a film director, a writer, and a producer. You loved I Love You, Now Die, or at least I did, At the Heart of Gold, Mommy Dead and Dearest. And her new tastiest one yet, Britney versus Spears on Netflix. It's fantastic. We loved it. This was such a fun chat. It was. And I just adore Erin, and I can't wait till she comes back with another one. Same. Keep working, Erin, and enjoy Erin Lee Carr. We are supported by Sleep Number. Sleep is so important for your overall health and well-being. And if you don't get enough of it, there could be some serious negative impacts. So how do you make sure you get some quality rest? Well, it starts with a good mattress, like the Sleep Number Smart Bed. It was designed for your one-of-a-kind, ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can take your sleep to the next level. Boy, I got to tell you, having just traveled back and forth to India and skipped 12 time zones, I get reminded of how absolutely imperative good sleep is. Oh, it's so necessary. You cannot even feel like a human being if you're not. (laughs) The best part about Sleep Number is you can easily adjust your firmness. And while you sleep, Sleep Number smart beds automatically respond and adjust to your movements throughout the night. It's heaven. And if you want to improve your health and well-being, Sleep Number is where you should start. Sleep Number smart beds can show your ideal sleep and wake-up schedule and the best times for activity like working out and winding down. Sleep next level with a Sleep Number Smart Bed. It's the only bed that lets you adjust each side to your ideal firmness and comfort. Your Sleep Number setting. Only at Sleep Number Store or sleepnumber.com. We are supported by Smucker's Uncrustables. Oh, do I love these. I also love a food hack, and this is a good one. Check out Uncrustables, the best part of the sandwich. It's a round, crimped sandwich made with soft, pillowy bread filled with peanut butter and jelly. The best part is you simply freeze and thaw them. Pop them straight from the freezer into a lunchbox for less work on a busy morning. You'll find Smucker's Uncrustables in the freezer aisle. Learn more at Uncrustables.com. He's an Erin Lee Carr, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Oh, there she Yay. is. There she is. Let's just take her in for one second, Monty. Taking her in. Got a cute little ball cap on with a B on it. Stands for boner time. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> what does it stand for? What do you think it stands for? What are we here to talk about today? Brittany. Oh, it's Brittany, Britch. <laughs> I'm so right. excited to talk about this. Me too. Did it cross your mind to use my catchphrase, it's Brittany, Britch, as the title? It did. It did. I was worried that someone else was going to take it, so I had to. I had to sort of stay away from it. But ultimately, we went with the old what it is. It's Britney versus Spears. It's a clever title. It is really good. Um, Not quite as clever as yours. Almost. Well, I've already got it planned when she eventually is a guest on the podcast. I would like to entitle the episode, It's Bitney Bridge. Okay. That's my game Putting that in the chamber. And it's, you know what it's like, Erin. If you get a great title, like you just, you really (laughs) want to see that thing have a use. Hell yeah. 
like I Love You Now Die. Sheila Nevins, my mentor and the head of HBO Docs for 40 years, came up with that. And I was like, you guys, I can't be the director of I Love You Now Die. And she's like, toots, it's the title. And I said, all right. Good for her. Because you know what? That title rules. It sums up the entire fucking thing in a very provocative way. For anyone that's not seen it, you got to see that. That's one of my favorite docs. It's so good. You really slam dunked it, Aaron. Thank you. Yeah. Really quickly, what's happening in your life before we launch into Britney versus Spears? I was on this project for two and a half years and I was completely uh, addicted to my phone because it was happening at all times, all hours. And so I'm finally like taking a breather, sleeping. I'm headed to Mexico with my best sober pal to do some manifesting for the year ahead. Oh, wow. Like just feeling happier and lighter, I would say. Yeah. What have you reduced your phone use to, if I could get specific? Eight hours versus 14. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that still seems high, Erin. But you're busy. I think you guys are also on your phones for that many hours. Come on. Yes. I guess I could look right now. What's the thing you, there's a way to look, right? It's the phone usage. Me and my boyfriend checked and compared ours last night. Oh Oh my God. So where do I go, Erin? Settings. Settings. It's like... Okay. Let me figure it out. Oh, screen time, screen time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, turn on screen time. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. I apparently pick up my phone 156 times a day, so. That's the number. Gosh, wow. Oh, I'm going to turn mine on because now I'm curious. Continue. Yeah, it's horrifying. I every Sunday look at it and get depressed about what my life has become. Okay, so my daily average is zero minutes. Me too. Yeah. Wow. So not too bad. Oh my god, we're doing pretty good. Not too shabberini. (laughs) Wait, I have a question. So you can turn off now a little bit, but can you ever? Because now you you're invested and stuff's still happening. Like, can you remove yourself from this for the rest of your life? I mean, it will be a story that I focus on literally, yes, is that for the rest of my life. We use an app called Signal to message back and forth uh, on the project. And it would come in at eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, one o'clock. Like it was just, it's always, so then I got fearful of Signal and what was happening. And now it's been dormant. Like people are trying to fish me and try to figure out what was going on in the Britney case. I had to move my emails. It was just, I had to deal with a level of paranoia that I've never dealt with before. Well, really quick, it seems quite obvious that you're a supporter of the free Britney movement. So who would be coming after you? Like who's incentivized to not like you? I mean, in the Britney Spears world, everyone is a suspect, including members of the media. And there were rumors floating around that my project would be pro-conservatorship, which uh, was always pretty confusing because I didn't know really what that was based in, but it would be potentially the people that govern Britney and what's going on with her. And they knew that I was making it because I had sent um, outreach to them or it could be people that think I'm making a pro-conservatorship like movie. I mean, I would get Instagram DMs saying, I have this thing on Britney, you need to read, da-da-da, and it's really fishing. I'm trying to get in my computer. And so I had to meet with a, like a digital specialist. They were tracking what things were being said and just being, you know, trying to be careful. I need to learn about fishing. What if someone's fishing in my computer? Oh, I'm already in. For armchair secrets. I'm already in. I already, I'm like, click this link to see our fun trip. Yeah. And then I own your computer. Oh my God. Okay. 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 Well, here's what I think is 
consistent about what happened to you. Anytime you join a movement that is really, for lack of a better word, fanatical, right? In all the ways that we would think of what fanatical means. I think fan is a derivative of... Root word. A root word. <laughs> Just say root word, okay? Well, there's a derivation. I don't know. There's a better word. Anyways, the point is... We've gotten is, worse at this, Aaron, since the last time you Yeah, came. can you tell? No, this is... Come on. You guys have gotten ju just gotten better, and you know it. Come on. <laughs> Stop fucking faux bragging. What is it? See, I can't <laughs> humble even... Humble brag. Humble oh, bragging. Yeah. Okay. Let's start from scratch. When your bedfellows are fanatical about something, to me, it also... It swerves into, like, I'm liberal. But it's dangerous to be liberal because someone's always trying to out-liberal you. I know in religion, I'm going to out-religion you and stuff. But anytime you're getting into something really where people are passionate, I feel like at some point people's identities, they want to prove that they are even deeper in than someone else. So it's just kind of ripe for conflict. I have never seen such an active fan base as the people trying to get Britney free. And their instances, literally, they were ringing the alarm bells before any of the media were there. They really pushed this into the national conversation. But then you have people who are trying to root people out or badmouth people or conspiracy theory or where the money go. And I'm not trying to be dismissive at all. I was trying to take in all of the goodness that this movement had been pushing forward with still having my skeptic hat on, my journalist hat on, and just trying to understand and separate. hat on. Yeah. <laughs> I made this for the whole crew. And so it's like a secret Britney hat. It's cute. Oh, it really is. It looks like an eight ball kind of a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a double purpose, a double whammy, a double entendre. <laughs> Mixed messages. Messiness of me. Aaron, oh. what do you think it is that made you, I mean, in the documentary, which again, let's just start there. I fucking loved it. Of course. I watched it the second it was dropped. Second, I was emailing you already. I have way more questions, but you kind of go into it a bit in your setup of it, which is like you had Britney Spears posters on your wall. And I want to know what's the appeal. I didn't have Britney Spears posters on my wall. So I want to know what it is about fans of Britney maybe that she represents for them or, or or what is she doing that makes you feel safe as a kid with that poster what what was happening psychologically with her Monica did you have did you like Britney growing up I did I loved her she was my first concert oh wow I didn't know that yeah she's my first concert I think because she was so young while I was so young like it was like oh my god this is kind of a someone relatable it's like the real life Disney show with Miley Cyrus. My, yeah. Hannah Montana. Yeah. The, the real life Hannah Montana. Yes. We felt like we grew up with her a little bit more than in another another pop, like Janet Jackson or something. Right. And it's exactly that. So I can go, Monica being our prime example, but I can go into any room and people have this sense of loyalty, nostalgia, and love for Britney because they she came of age when we came of age. So there's this millions and millions and millions of people and for me, I was in Catholic school. I did not understand what sexuality was. I did not understand the confidence of owning that at an age. And so when I saw her in that video with Hit Me Baby One More Time, I mean, my jaw dropped. I was like, what girls can do this? Oh my God. Like I got an autograph and I knew every word. And it just, I, I mean, it was teenagehood wrapped up in sort of sexuality, but also in somebody who is undeniably 
charismatic and she always courted controversy. Do you like Christina or do you like yeah. Britney? Is she with Justin? What happened there with Crimea River? Is she manufactured Barbie doll or is she the talent of her generation? And so there was, they were just so good at creating and putting her in the zeitgeist until it went terribly awry. And so it was my, like, in terms of Moby Dick, my white whale of like the story, because I am somebody that studies women, what happens to women in the criminal justice system. And you can't get more of that in the story. But also I will add that she was pre-social media. Mm -hmm. So she was coveted in some way. It's not like, you know, we had access to her all the time. All we got were the things she decided to put out or the tabloids. Like nowadays, I think it'd be hard to have someone like that because you just get inundated and you get to hear them just speak and just be like, no, that's not true. Yes, that's true. So there was sort of something enigmatic around her. Yeah, people were dying for more and more and more access, but there was an Instagram. Yeah. But in, so she was a sacrificial lamb for us, by us. And I think that, I mean, she is a symbol of American girlhood and what it means to be sort of like beloved and then hated. And so I just think that there's a lot of things, universal things about us being like Britney Spears, but Britney Spears herself has had to carry the weight of all of this. And like, what happens to someone who has lived a life like this and in talking to Adnan Ghalib, her ex-boyfriend, one of the things he said to me that stuck with me the whole movie, I know it's controversial that I included him. This is the paparazzi that she ended up dating? Right. And he said, imagine having nobody in your life that you could trust. Not dad, not mom, not sister, not management, not the guy that's even, you know, working on your at your house because someone is trying to like sell secrets. And so I think, what does that do to your level of trust and your reality? I think it's just so damaging. And so that's one of the things that I just try to understand. What does it mean to be able to really not trust anyone? Yeah, he was a really kind of unlikely character in the doc that I maybe did a 180 of my opinion on. I just hate paparazzi. So of course I didn't like that guy. But then hearing him talk, I was like, I don't even understand how this guy was a paparazzi to begin with. Cause he does seem to have integrity and some kind of moral compass and a lot of compassion for her. And I don't think he was as exploitive of her as I thought. I mean, there's a whole sort of racial element to paparazzi that these are people that come to the country and it's a way to make a living. And specifically, if you're just trying to start out in Hollywood, I'm not somebody that has been harassed by the paparazzi at all, so I'm coming into that perspective. Yeah. But it was guys that said you could make $500 up to 50000 up to 100000 if you get the shot of Britney. Well, let's be clear, though, because I'm going to push back. Yeah, you can get five hundred or 50000 if you trample a bunch of people, get in a fist fight in front of her, call her a bitch to get her mad. So, yeah, you can also get money fucking stealing people's purses. So I don't, I'm not entirely compassionate about the new arrival who decides that like you watch a lot of those videos and it's fucking assault there's really no other way you could interpret what's going on there was a before and after there was paparazzi at the time when adnan started at the very beginning where you gave people room and then when britney started to descend into whatever she was dealing with it was a free-for-all and i agree with you it was absolutely assault and yeah. I think that that has not changed. And specifically, all of the invasive tactics to photograph her children. And you'll see that we don't show her children's faces in the film because she doesn't want that. She doesn't yeah, need totally. her children to be dragged into it. And so with Adnan, yeah, he was this 
deeply unlikable guy. You just Google him. He has the crazy facial hair. You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's a soul patch. It was big back yeah. then. Yeah. It was a, of the era, of the time. You know, he does not want to be tied to the story anymore. So it took about seven, eight, nine hours from off the record to get him to do anything. Yeah. And it was really that we can all say what happened during that time period, but Adnan was actually there. And people have gotten really upset that I've used Adnan and Sam Lutby, who have really intense interests and some manipulations, specifically on the Sam side, of what they wanted to happen to Britney. But the thing is, they were there. And people can, I had a minute and a half, I think, of Sam Lutby. And the movie is much, much longer than that. You know, there's a lot more Adnan, but I really, truly got that he cared for her. So I gave sort of leeway. And so people in documentaries, they want access but they don't want it to be exploitative. And so we have to sort of, as a documentary director, just trying to figure out who was there, what they said, fact-checking it. But I definitely came to a different understanding, like you, Dax, of the Adnan story. Yeah. I bet for you, there's a lot of things to wade through to make sure you're on the right side of all of it. Like, is it another round of perpetuating this overexposure of this human being that probably the best thing possible would be everyone on planet earth would maybe forget about her and let her just live. I mean, for her own health. So I wonder how you navigate, like knowing you're on the right path. It was a really complex thing that I thought about every day. When I pitched this to Netflix in May, 2019, she was very, very, very much still in the conservatorship. And yeah. she, there was no light of her getting out. And of course, it takes quite a long time to make a movie. So I'm so thankful that so many things changed over the course of filming, which we were able to capture. But my intention at the start of this was to show, is there predatory abuses happening inside the conservatorship and getting actual evidence? And nobody at the time had solved that. And so it was really trying to figure that out. And so I thought that um, by doing that, I was aiding this story and Brittany and paying attention, like not doing the head shave, not doing the umbrella incident, yeah, yeah, not yeah. showing her in the back of the ambulance, things like that. But I will tell you, like when this came out, there was like there's like a Russell Brand, like, I don't know, really long talk of like, this is exploitative. What is happening? I mean, you know, he just was <laughs> That's like a good Russell Brand. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. I like somebody sent it to me and I was like. I worked for two and a half years on this. Like, this is for Britney Spears. I don't know what to tell people. Like, people think Netflix, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, it's me alone in a room with a bunch of other ladies alone in a room trying to figure it out and be yeah. good to her. Yeah. But I I'm seeming defensive. I don't know. It would be um, unhuman of you to know someone that you, I, I would assume, probably like Russell Brand. And so when you, yeah, if you, if someone you like is disappointed with the decision you made that doesn't hurt you you, you probably are a sociopath and there was a lot of that and i think yeah. that for me i put myself in the in the movie oh do people not like that no <laughs> really <laughs> what we don't like women inserting themselves in things because they're oh. looking for attention when michael moore does it what is it it's him fighting the man right and andrew jarecki was in the jinx no one was upset about that everyone loved that but think about how many women put themselves in films, like in documentaries. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, you really can't. And, you know, our good friend David, who works with y'all, like he's incredible on camera and really adds to it. So I was trying to do it, but I'm sure I get one millionth of what Britney gets and one five hundredth of what you guys get. 
But like, it's like, why is this creep with horrible eyeliner? Like, it just is so weird. Like, I, I've made amazing, I've made films that I'm really into, but this was unlike anything I'd ever experienced, the level of opinions on it. And so it was just wild to, to sort of think about. And when people are making a documentary, like, it's just, this is a part of it. Having the, the stomach to say, people have opinions about the work that you're making. That's inherent to making art. But also the irony that like every single person has an opinion on this woman and your eyeliner and this, and that's exactly what happened to her. It's the same. Well, I mean, no one would like to admit this as a fan of hers, but they were the problem too. They bought the fucking magazines. So it's like everyone's judgmental, but everyone's carrying a little bit of the original sin, which is like everyone wanted more. They still want more. Everyone's culpable. But not everyone's tearing her down. Just because you you want more doesn't mean you're saying, ooh, and then look at her hair here and look at this. Like, No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they're attacking her because they think she's being exploitative. Right. But I was but, talking but, more about the pin, the nitpicking of like, ooh, what's this person? What's Who is she? And what's... But again, I think you're just going for like, they don't know what the fuck to say. They're defending Britney. <laughs> and mm-hmm. there's some weird level of, acknowledgement whether it's subconscious or whatnot is that you're seeing in that person something that you might not be comfortable with yourself which is like has my love for her fueled a lot of this like am i a part of this problem you know what i'm saying yeah you don't you don't buy it no i don't know yeah i don't know either stay tuned for more armchair expert if you dare We are supported by Smucker's Uncrustables. Oh, do I love these. I also love a food hack, and this is a good one. Check out Uncrustables, the best part of the sandwich. It's a round, crimped sandwich made with soft, pillowy bread filled with peanut butter and jelly. The best part is you simply freeze and thaw them. Pop them straight from the freezer into a lunchbox for less work on a busy morning. You'll find Smucker's Uncrustables in the freezer aisle. Learn more at Uncrustables.com. We are supported by Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig inspires people of all ages to jump through life and its muddy puddles with enthusiasm. The relatable stories, oinks, and giggles have made her preschooler's first best friend, helping them navigate everyday life with unabashed exuberance. And now you can discover new playtime adventures with your little ones. Jump into spring and hunt for muddy puddles in Peppa's Caravan playset. Hit the road for endless adventures and have heaps of fun with Peppa's whole family. Oinks and giggles are guaranteed. Peppa Pig, inspiring kids' confidence since 2004. Peppa Pig is a trademark of Hasbro, created by Mark Baker and Neville Astley. We are supported by Canva. Good presentations take time. Or they used to, because now you have Canva to help you make amazing slides. Fast. I'm talking like seconds, thanks to the power of AI and Canva presentations. All you have to do is start with a prompt like a sales presentation for a tech company. Then sit back and let Canva work its magic. It's incredible what AI is doing. I'm seeing all kinds of image generated. I follow these architectural websites that it's all AI generated. It's just mind-blowing what it comes up with. You just tell it what you want and it'll do it. Boom. It's a time saver and it's easy for any department to use. And it's great for companies of any size. Even Fortune 500 companies rely on Canva. Finish your work faster and generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. 
designed for work. Okay, I'm going to push back on some things having nothing to do with your eyeliner, and I loved the documentary. I think you underexplored her addiction. Yes. And I think part of the conservativeship that we're not privy to has a lot to do with that. I mean, Brittany has never self-identified as an addict. And I had a lot more material in the movie, but then it's about... Brittany doesn't self-identify as an addict, has never said that out loud. And so who am I as a sober person to out this person and their addiction? I know so much about that. And it's a wildly upsetting thing. And I had edits of it, but it pushed the edge of exploitative and things that she would not want out there. Basically, addiction is really at the root of this movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and and we tiptoed around it and I was like, oh, here we go. We're going to like the fact that they would up her Adderall prescription by double when she worked and then she works. Also, let me say, I'm not saying what she did anything. I've blown a ton of coke over at that apartment back in the day. That's me. I'm not saying anyone else did anything else, but I think there's Jealous. a pretty good amount of proof that from a very young age that there's been a tremendous amount of addiction and And if we hope to approach justice, I feel like all the information kind of has to be in the conversation. Now, let me say also, I don't think her dad should have ever had anything to do with the conservatorship. But I also I have to just look up from the outside and go, okay, well, at the time it was started, she had a shaved head. She had lost her children. It was going as bad as it could go and potentially towards death. And there's this bozo around that's definitely making moves to steal all this money she's worked her ass off to make. Cut two years into the conservatorship. She has her kids back. It seems like that's going well. She's working, albeit that part is very weird, considering she has no personal autonomy but can hold a job. I think that's crazy. I love it. It was in your documentary where they said, I've been to a million of these conservatorship meetings and not a single person's ever had a job. But... I just feel like it's a big part of the story that maybe no one who loves Britney wants to consider because they love her. But there's nothing to not love about someone who's an addict. Addicts are fucking lovable. You're one. I'm one. I love you. I'm okay. There's just there was a lot of self-denial in the things that I saw privately. Yeah. Um, She said, I, you know, I've never been addicted to this. And uh, I was going through a rough time because of my children And I just, I sat with it for so long because it's obviously something that drew me to the story. And it really came, it was born out of early in her career. What do you need to be skinny as a, as a young pop star? You need Mm -hmm. uppers, right? And I think there's questions running who introduced that to her? What was it like? And then how did that progress in terms of the rest of her career. And also like in looking at the depositions that we were given, depositions that we uncovered, questions again and again were asked about Adderall specifically. And Mm -hmm. she just would not own up to it. And so there was a way for me to communicate that there was denial to it. And I, I think you're right, Dax. I think that I got really nervous and I overthought everything because I'm making a film about somebody that I haven't 
been able to speak with. And so it's almost like the, like the emergency break would be on all the time. And I think we went hard hitting at a bunch of things, but I just felt so nervous about that. Sure. And then also you're in a unique, you and I are both in a unique situation, which is we have a tenant that we don't diagnose other people with addiction. And at the same time, I'm a human being on planet Earth that knows what a fucking addict looks like. So it's like I'm always juggling this weird thing where even Monocle asked me, you know, like this person, what do you think about that? And I'm like, you know, I'm not supposed to say whether I think. But at the same time, I do because there are people that I think clearly have wreckage in their life. And there's a ton of addiction in her family. But do you think her being an addict warrants a conservatorship? Because like you said, they're, no, they're everywhere, no. right? Neither like, Dax nor I was are in a conservatorship. We might have needed <laughs> one at some point, but we did not get in it. That's my point. Like there are a lot of people <laughs> who are off the rails, addict or not, and they are not under a conservatorship. I agree. So here's a debate I've, Monica and I have had uh, off the air after watching this thing is, I just wonder if you play it out, right? conservatorship's gone. It's gone. She's on her own. And what happens if within four months she somehow is penniless? Is that protecting her? If that were the case, would we feel good about that? I mean, again, I don't want her dad anywhere near that thing. I don't think any of her family members should be. I'm just wondering if we would want... It's really tricky because she's a fucking boss. Like, that's the crazy thing about her. She is such a boss. And she's in such command of her life on stage and with a crew. And she's a businesswoman. It's not, she's not just a talented, you know, puppet. She's a good businesswoman. And so, I mean, I, I in in the spirit of our lively discussion, Dax, I'll push yeah. back on your what you said. Like, Please. she is an adult person and we have this prescriptive lens that she is troubled, that she can't take care of herself, that she needs, she's going to end up penniless without somebody's supervision. The fact is- it's her money and she gets to spend it. And for 13 years, if she wanted to go out and buy books for her kids or get a hamburger, she had to ask for permission. And so I think that we can't do the thing where we need to protect her from herself. She needs to be given the opportunity and she still has some safeguards in place, but I think it's time for her to make her own decisions. And if she makes some bad decisions, Everyone in this beautiful room in the Zoom box has made some bad decisions. Yes, the consequences are higher because it's Britney and there's so much sort of people looking at her, but it's just, it's time for her to do that. And she's, you know, she's 38 years old. And I don't mind if she goes out and spends $50 million tomorrow on scratch offs and loses all of her money. What I don't want is some handsome dude literally conning her and stealing her money. So that's the part that's scary. Like having a right to have your money stolen is a very bizarre right to fight for. And that's my fear. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm infantilizing her. Maybe I'm, um, maybe it's misogynistic. Maybe I wouldn't worry about a guy as much. I don't know, but there's just been so many dudes in her life that I don't fucking trust. And then of course the model for her was someone that she shouldn't have trusted and can't trust her father. So I just get nervous that this woman who's already, look, anyone that's had her career and only has $50 million in the bank, there's a fucking colossal mismanagement right there of what that woman should be worth uh, relative to other stars of much less relevance and ticket sales. So 
something's already very fucked up in the finances. There's been there. a lot of legal fees. A lot of lawyers getting paid. Fuck. I looked at the accounting records from the origin, 2008, 2009, and you, I mean, we all need lawyers. Uh, I mean, some need lawyers to protect themselves, but literally the sheer volume in which she was spending on lawyers, her court-appointed uh, attorney one year made uh, in excess of $400,000. And it's a complex thing that he had to do, but it's just like, what is sort of going on here? And I was astounded at the number of like, you know, 50 or 57 million that her like combined net worth that never made any sense to me. And I asked every single interview subject I ever talked to off the record, on the record, on background, what is going on that this, where's the where's money? The money? Where's, like, the, where's big leak? the money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the only thing I've been able to come up with is there's something called the SJB trust, which is not part of the conservatorship. And so I think that there could be money in that. So I'm hopeful. Okay. But I do think if you look at the money that's been spent, yeah, there's a, a lot of it went to stuff. Yeah. Well, I think it, was, it totaled $3 million for that one law firm that's, quote, representing her. And they've never, ever pled for her to end the conservatorship or get her father out of it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's criminal. It's fucking, it's so gross. I would love to hear the lawyer explain how he arrived at that those numbers like how many what was he he was working 24 7 at 400 dollars an hour on this case you can't i mean yeah it was a money grab i mean i think that what is uncomfortable about the the legal situation is britney pays for her own court-appointed lawyer that she did not pick she pays for her father's lawyers which is a team of lawyers and i think that it really is people are on weekly billing things and and so but basically her lawyer and jamie's lawyer have to work together as a team to be simpatico inside the conservatorship so the evidence that i saw is for many years it was about keeping um everything copacetic and so it's like basically her court appointed lawyer needs to be at odds with jamie's lawyers but as a part of a working conservatorship you can't be because one, you're not going to get paid if you're in opposition to the people that are paying you. Yeah. And so conservatorship law needs to be reformed. People that quote unquote lack capacity need to be able to at least get their own lawyer. The fact that she finally got a lawyer, Matthew Rosengart, in July, and then months later, Jamie Spears is suspended, something that she has been asking for. I'm not kidding you, ever since 2008, 2009 all the time and so i think that that's what that's where the real story is like what does it mean for someone to say i need help this is not working and for the court to say this is the situation you find yourself in and again the irony that she has lost all her money in this the, th the thing is to protect her money and to protect her but through this conservatorship somehow most of it is gone so if we're protecting her, we're not protecting her. I don't know what her finances were before the conservatorship started. So they were I don't brutal. Know. It was bad. Right? Yeah. yeah. She was in debt, I think, when it started. She had very, very little money. I mean, a quote, it was in dire straits. There had been a lot of spending. And that's what her family is really concerned about. And I think you brought up a great point of like, Brittany was somebody that needed help at that moment. It was very, very clear and I think that that's what most people said to me, that back then she needed help. She needed her family to step in. And then when she got her bearings and was doing the circus tour, and I encourage everybody 
to go and YouTube and look at the circus tour, look at those videos. That is somebody who is in control of themselves, their body, that she's figuring it out. And that's where it started to get really weird, right? It went from a let's help this person to I'm managing her life and her career. Well, yes, to me, that's a fundamental hypocrisy that you could be unfit to, to run your life, but fit to go work. You got to pick a lane, conservatorship. Either she needs to sit in a house and be monitored or she is an autonomous performer. I, I don't think you can have both. Everyone kept telling me the whole legal system has said nobody knows what's going on behind closed doors. She may appear this way in the public, but no one really understands. And I obtained evidence of what was going on at the time. And that's what is really interesting now. Like they said that there was so much going on, but it really was somebody processing and figuring it out. So they get to hide behind the sort of like nobody understands what's going on when what I could tell it was somebody that was working through a troubled spot, but not somebody that couldn't provide for clothing, food, or shelter, which is mandated for a conservatorship. And so all this discussion is really about what does it mean to be powerful? What does it mean to be silenced? And then to be silenced for 13 years. And it's almost like we've been in this little quarantine for two years, which is a huge amount of time for us, but Brittany has been in a quarantine for 13 years straight. And what does that do? And things are gonna happen as a result. It's a very, very disturbing way to live. Now, how was she able to have an Instagram and yet also can't do interviews? I'm very confused by that feels like a paradox. God, I don't know the answer to it. I mean, for a long time, it felt like CrowdSurf, the social media agency was running her Instagram. And very early on, I started tracking and looking at Instagram all the time and figuring it out. And you can see that Brittany never likes any comments. She's been dating her boyfriend, Sam Ashgari, super cute, loves him. They've been together for four years. And he would say, oh, like, look at you, babe. You look great. And like, everyone knows that if you're like the gal and getting complicated, you're going to like that and say, thanks, babe. Love it. Brittany never once commented or liked it. And so that to me and, you know, I'm kind of speaking like a conspiratorial person in the woods, but it was like, <laughs> she's not running her Instagram. She would like his comment. But also the other thing is I think that because of, I don't think they ever allowed her to see the comments because some of them would be probably disturbing for her. And so maybe that was it. But now she is running her own Instagram because you can tell. That's obvious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's this amazing duality or maybe even triality about her, which is like when she speaks on her own behalf at that hearing and she's written that thing, it's like very well written. She's very articulate. She's, you know, she's in total command of what's happening. And then I will watch an Instagram post and I'm like, what is happening here? Where is like this sense of self-awareness that I saw from the courtroom stuff it's a paradox to me. Yeah, I'm trying to make peace with that. Like this is intermittent, like really sharp points of clarity that I, I then I'm like, yeah, man, what this is insane. Like literally they've held this person hostage and I'm sure she has Stockholm syndrome from it at this point. Her captors, you know, you fall in love with your captors. Like it's all so confusing. And then yet I'm not sure what's happening on Instagram. What do you do think? You have, Monica, do you have, well, yeah, we need you to. <laughs> I mean, look, everyone's doing something on Instagram. Everyone is creating some sort of false persona or maybe it's real, whatever. But everyone's doing something there. 
it's not that surprising to me that she can write a well-written plea and also or read one or whatever and also have an Instagram that's kooky. Yeah, kooky. That's a great way to. That's <laughs> a good I love euphemism. how re- I love how real it is. Like it's not the same manufactured. Like check this out. Like it's weird. It's funny. It's bizarre. You know what I mean? And like the dancing and like the modeling of the clothes. And she's been trapped. We do have to remember she has been trapped. So now this is a time where she feels free, and that might lead to some kookiness i'll say well i want to back up and give her some compliments because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we watched the other britney documentary which i also liked a lot by the way because i really with the part that that thing exposed for me is how unaware i was in the water at the time all this was happening so the fact that this you know 45 year old man asks her if her boobs are real when she's a minor is like it's so crazy what she endured in these interviews but What's also incredible is she is a fucking master interviewee. Like she was able to draw boundaries, be assertive, and be the cute, likable pop star. Like she was more masterful in those early stages than many other of her peers. That's fascinating to me. She she really like navigated these really gross situations over and over again. And it was really because it's the beginning of her career because there was a a concept that of sexuality put in her work. She had to get really good at pivoting. And there's a scene I wasn't able to include, but it's in the basically the documentary where it's like three days in Mexico and people are asking her like how much her house is worth. And she's like, you know, fuck you. I'm not going to talk about that. And then somebody else asks her to like stand up and see what she's wearing and do a twirl. Uh And she's like, no, I'm not doing a twirl. And so I think she was somebody that got pressured really early on to do things. And she hates interviews. And so I think she has a hard time with journalists, right? Everybody has tried to trespass on her boundaries. And I think that there's some trauma from it. After watching the first one, I Instagram messaged her. I said to Kristen, I'm like, You know, I don't really have any desire to necessarily develop a new friendship with anybody in the world, but I do feel like I'd like to be one. I want to offer like, I don't want anything from you. If you have, if you need someone to chat with that doesn't want a single thing from you, I'm available. Like, I just felt like I wanted to rescue this person, obviously. And I felt like one of the fundamental things I saw is crazy. You already pointed out, which is like, I don't know that she is a single person who is status-wise a peer who doesn't want a single thing from her. I wish there were more people in her life that maybe weren't, there wasn't this huge status gap. But she did she respond? Like, I feel no. like she, she never responds to anything. Yeah. No, no. Because people are watching her Instagram messages. Mm, yeah, they don't want me talking to her. It's literally like what I also noticed that you're hitting on is like, solidarity and friendship and this is where we get a lot of the love in our life and i think that what i saw that was incredibly unique to britney was that there was not a support group of friends around her besides people from back home which people were watching them and so i think had she been able to have friends i think it could have potentially really helped yeah and even the people though that are genuinely love her like that woman that was assigned to her over the years. Felicia, yeah. Yeah. She's clearly a beautiful human being and really cares about her. 
And there's a limit to that relationship because she's employed by her. So anytime you're employing the people that love you, it's just dangerous because they can really only be so. (laughs) 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 Doesn't seem to be slowing you down about not being a yes man. (laughs) But she can only do so much, that woman. She ultimately is employed. I don't know. It's so fucking complicated. Brittany is this topic that becomes like you can investigate every single thing about it. It becomes like. I've never had such intense discussions about ethics, about addiction, about ownership, about rights, about um, friendship, about conditional love. Like, it is just wild how many things you can go with it. And like the other pieces that were made, it's like, you know, that led to this happening. And so I think that there's been like some fatigue, but it's all about like, is the truth coming out? And I really believe it is. And then it's causing all of us to have these conversations that, I think can change our perspectives on stuff. Like what you just said about the paparazzi earlier is like, I think I was being a little soft on them. And for you to be like, no, this is assault. I had to like hear someone say that to me again and really like re, because I've looked at all of that footage and you know, it, it really can be that. Oh yeah. I mean, those moments where like, she's trying to get to her car and dudes are fist fighting, like all hell's breaking loose. It's literally a riot following her. And what I was on the verge of saying is what blew me away is actually how insanely strong she is because I, in those situations, I've had a few different physical situations with those folks, and I feel like I'm in a room with no doors, and mm-hmm. and I am so claustrophobic in those situations, and if I feel like I can't escape, I'm going to the most primitive part of myself. So the fact that the, the, you know the umbrella incident took that many years before she finally was in full survival, I got to escape the situation is so impressive in so many ways. I had a millionth of that, but once I had kids, I was like, no, 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 you are not fucking trapping my children in this bubble. I will, I will kill all of you and go to jail for it. But that's not an option. So it made me immediately my worst person. And the fact that she could go that long before that, that occurred, I'll also say she's almost, I'd put her up there with, Princess Diana and really a martyr for that whole behavior we all kind of thought was just fine. And it was every single day, every time she went outside at all times. And she even became friends with some of them because she was like, what am I going to do? These people follow me around all the time. I don't know, besides Princess Diana, had there been anybody that dealt with this level of sort of scrutiny And it was just, it's, yeah, she's a product born of that time and of commercial magazines of like, hey, we're going to offer you $50,000, $100,000, and then we buy the magazine. So it's this circle of, of sort of shame and going into it. But I would say one of the interesting things that I didn't think about in terms of that is one time she was with Adnan and he had a trucker hat in the back and she, they were going into a store or Starbucks or something and she put it on And then the next months, like that blew up, became one of the biggest trends because Britney put on a hat and then it fought and like, and remember like the trucker hat phenomenon? Like, I think it goes back to Britney, like her just being like, and so this Midas touch of anything she touches either is corrosive and harms her, but also is this incredible trend that everyone sort of seeks out. And so I just, 
I always thought that was interesting and like placed so much this woman's doing this one thing and then it like just the money that can be created out of this one singular act. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Walmart Plus. Walmart Plus is the membership that helps you save on things you expect, plus things you don't, like free delivery from your store with no markups, so you can enjoy some guilt-free couch time or enjoy an extra hour in bed. Or how about this, save on gas while you drive the kids to soccer practice. Or hey, how about a Paramount Plus subscription included, so you can take that movie night up a notch. With Walmart Plus, you save on all this plus so much more. Start a free 30-day trial at www.walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus Essential Plan Only. Separate registration required. $35 order minimum. See walmart.com slash plus for details. Start a free 30-day trial at www.walmartplus.com. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Okay, now I'm going to have to be devil's advocate again. And again, I am sympathetic to it. I do think she had a form of Stockholm syndrome with, with, the, with the press because I'm also watching it going, well, I know how I operated through life knowing I hated those people. So I just moved in a very specific way. And there were choices that were made that seemed to not try to mitigate that whatsoever. And locations you would go to that are you there is no back entrance there is you know you're gonna be there's no way around it like there's a lot of things that could have been done that would have mitigated some of that perhaps not living in LA I don't know so I'm, I'm just curious what you think about that relationship because it seems like more could have been done to escape it on her side I, it's a really good question I mean my thing is that I think you get addicted to it in a certain way it's a corrosive element in your life, but how could it not make you feel like God, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I think that when people talk about Princess Diana, they talk about this sort of, you know, incredible vulturism that was exhibited by the press. And something really upsetting that I found out was that Princess Diana went out multiple times that night. She was like basically at dinner and then go back to the hotel and then win somebody else. And it was like people in all senses of the word like being chased. And until you don't like being chased. And I think that, unfortunately, it was always dangerous for Princess Diana to be out. And I think the same thing was for Brittany. And she loved to drive fast. And she loved to have people sort of be in pursuit. It was almost like sort of a video game. But obviously, it's really dangerous. And so I think that in her world at the time, it was something that she was just going to sort of like play with and figure it out. And she knew the consequences, but she was living life in this, you know, her kids had been taken away. She didn't know who she could trust. And so I think it was just a part of that addictive thing of like, if I don't have this, then like, maybe I'll be pursued. And she's used to living in chaos 
already. So that's kind of her natural state. That's normal. And if she has nothing to lose, like, of course she's going to do that. Of course she's going to go in the front door. Like, she's not trying to protect anything, unfortunately. I'll just add that if hypothetically she was wrestling with addiction and knowing the shame that comes from that and knowing the disappointment in oneself, that is an immediate hit of like, well, things aren't that bad. Everyone's still completely interested. Like I could imagine it being a tiny bit of a prop you could use to prop yourself up when feeling low and out of control in another way, which is like, These people how bad could it be? Me. These yeah. people are still that interested and I'm still worthy of this, even though I feel like I'm worthless. Like she could control it or not control it. And then at like recording studios, 50 people would be climbing the walls and trying to get into the building and trying to track her. Or there was this thing where she was leading people. She, they were following her versus her, as you said, the claustrophobia of being yeah. surrounded. What does it mean if she's leading the pack? And I think that's always something I thought about. Yeah. And it's kind of a weird, I mean, this is like such an extreme analogy and I know you weren't saying anything like this, but it, th there's some element of like, Oh, she could have gone to different places. She could have moved. She could have, you know, it's it's a little bit like blaming the victim. Yeah, like well, the hot girl should not wear the short skirt cuz cuz you're just it's going to happen. You're asking for it a little uh, bit. I totally agree with you. It runs the risk of sounding like that. I'm just speaking for me personally. Like yeah. with that level of attention, I just wouldn't be here and I certainly wouldn't be going to a popular restaurant. I wouldn't be going to a popular bar and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing that. That's all I'm saying. So I've yeah. got to make that jive with why I would have done it differently than she did it. There's a that leads to a curiosity. Not that she deserved any no, of that. No, I, yeah. I know you weren't saying yeah. that. I just But you're right. It sounds like, well, if she don't like it, she shouldn't be a, a pop star. Right. And that's not what I'm saying. I think she should be free to pursue what she's passionate about without being surrounded by a thousand fucking <laughs> wonderful guys, wonderful men and fatigues. Army fatigues jumping out of every corner. Oh, Aaron, what's next? <laughs> How are you going to shift gears? What are you going to work on next? Uh, I have a two-part series coming out on HBO that I'm finishing right now involving, you guessed it, a murder case. Um, oh, baby. It's, it's very upsetting, and it was really difficult because it was a really sort of intense graphic crime, and I was able to actually get group therapy for the team. And so that's something that I'm really trying to get for teams that are dealing with crime stories, like, oh, wow. you know, access to not only your own therapist that of course we all have to, we all do, but also like, what does it mean to process some of these things? Cause I know I've had some secondary trauma stuff from the gymnastics movie, from mm. mommy dead and dearest. And so like taking in the weight of that. So just making sure that the people that work with me aren't taking that into their lives. Cause it can be really intense. So Doing that and then doing a couple more movies with HBO about, I think, exciting things. And yeah, like just trying to do the thing, you know? Yeah. Can we geek out? Because we all love docs here. Can we geek out a little bit on what ones you've loved recently? Can you think of any standouts? Absolutely. So let me check. I have gotten into this really bizarre thing where I watch between two to six hours of tennis and have it on background. Oh, wow. um, and so I, at night, I'm like scrapbooking and watching ATP tennis matches, which wow. is horrifying. It just is one of the only thing that can take my brain off of what I do during the day. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that uh, it's just, but I, I forget the exact name of it, but there's one on HBO that is like a local news station in Las yeah, Vegas. Yeah. Yep. Do you, that one, that was so incredible. And like the Michael Jackson lady. And I was like, this is so different than what I have ever made, but like, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was the real life office. I mean, it was, yeah, it was incredible. It's, a, it's about an independent news station, which there's very few left. And they were trying to get themselves into the Las Vegas market. That was great. I would say um, recently for us, there's been a just a ton of great sports docs, both with yeah. the guys who did Wild Wild Country. Yeah, those were called Untold. Untold. Yeah, did you watch like any of the Untold? Yeah, like Mouse at the Palace yes. and Marty Fish. I thought it was excellent. Yeah, that was incredible. And then there's one called Bad Sports, a series right now on Netflix. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. I beg you to That's watch good. the one about the dude who just wants to race cars. So he starts trafficking marijuana and he becomes like the biggest fucking <laughs> it's that he's so likable. He just wants to race cars. I can't believe it's a real story. It's so fucking good. And then what else? Did you watch Crime of the Century? That is amazing. I mean, Alex Gibney, who I worked with before and is my mentor, I thought that was fantastic and jaw-dropping like unfortunately like so my boyfriend's not an addict and i make him watch intervention every night before bed yes great show great show he's just like do we have to keep doing this i was like you gotta understand what's going on (laughs) (laughs) oh i have an idea for a doc for us okay i want to see if you can buy into this this is my first conspiracy theory that i've launched i think Which is, as you probably are aware, these people are now dying from cocaine that has been laced with fentanyl. Laced with fentanyl, yeah. And you and I, as party animals, we know that makes zero fucking sense. There is no reason any drug salesperson would cut cocaine with fentanyl. It does not make sense. You would cut heroin with fentanyl because you could have shitty heroin that made, that induced the heroin Feeling for much cheaper. Totally makes sense. Nobody buying Coke is looking for a major opiate in that experience, unless they're going to go out and do a speedball. And why is someone just blowing some of their fentanyl budget to put in this cocaine? Nothing has ever made less sense to me ever than lacing Coke with fentanyl. And it's now kind of epidemic. There was four people here, comedians that died. I have a friend whose little brother OD'd buying a bag of Coke in Detroit. It's everywhere in Coke, and that has led me to this conspiracy theory. Is it possible, since none of the drug traffickers or the drug lords or the drug salesmen, that's not good for their business at all? It doesn't help anybody. Could the CIA have figured out, like, fuck, if we just make all these potentially deadly, people are just going to have to stop doing it? Because, like, you can't even do Coke now? Like, I'm going to have to explain to my daughters, like, experimenting aside, which I'm pro-experimenting, you can't now. Because fucking fentanyl's in everything. It's going to be in mushrooms next. What is happening, Aaron? I mean, I was watching an intervention last night where someone was, like, smoking two grams of fentanyl a day. Oh, my Like, it was just the most sort of shocking sort of thing. And then there's people who... This woman whose boyfriend died in her arms after uh, a fentanyl re-up. And so it is what you said. It's unthinkable and it doesn't make sense. And what happens when things don't make sense? There's a different ulterior reason for it. And I think it could be that. I think it could be other things. I just, 
Something stinks. Something stinks. But the thing is, people always take drugs. Like, I don't think if the CIA was like, this is how it's going to stop it. Like, literally after COVID, it's everybody has, it has been such a problem because people are being, even though there's more deaths, people are drawn to to more drugs. And so I, I don't even know if that makes sense because more and more people are dying. And I don't think it prohibits other people from doing drugs. I think you think it's not going to be me. It's not going to be me. You think, I mean, for you and I, yeah, because we were already trying to kill ourselves. But I hope that for like the recreational Coke user, which there's tons of, I think in this Malcolm Gladwell book I read, they said only 6% of people who experiment with cocaine will ever be addicted to it. So the vast majority of people that try it, just try it. And so I think maybe those people are like, there's no way I'm trying this thing that there's a fucking one in a hundred chance there's fentanyl in it and I die. Well, here's the question. Is there any way to test your bag of cocaine before you ingest it? Like who's coming up with that? Well, so there is, there's rapid fentanyl tests now. But my question is like what you're going through every single micron of a fucking eight ball of Coke. And uh, we were talking about it last night at a a meeting. (laughs) We were saying like, well, what I would do is get the bag of Coke and be like, well, let's get a good line in so that I can focus on this fentanyl test. Like, I'll go through it all <laughs> meticulously, but I'm going to need one line to kick this thing off. I just, there, something is really, really fucking amiss with this fentanyl thing. Because it's bad for every part of the chain. The, the consumer, the manufacturer, the sales folks, who's benefiting from this? I mean, I just think back to how much cocaine my father did, which is like the most anybody could ever do, like a mirror, a flat, like a full length mirror and doing a whole line off the mirror. Sure, like, sure. I just like had I, I mean, it would have had a completely different story if it was now versus the 80s. It's just dead and would have never become the guy at the New York Times. And yeah, I think it's eliminating stories where people could have second chances, second lives and things like that. Yeah, it's very weird. Like I found myself having this thought where it's like I'm actually anti-war on drugs in some of its derivations, but they need to figure out fentanyl. But anyways, I'm certainly we would both be very fascinated in figuring. We're like, how is that? uh, What does that smell like? What is a? Can you put it in my hand? I'm just gonna look at it. I'm just gonna look at it. So you're saying this little bit will get me high for four hours? I don't. No way. This seems like Let's a see. great project for you too. Doesn't specifically. It? <laughs> yeah. Did you get fucked up when you were doing the drug one prior to Britney versus Spears? Yeah, I was at a police station in the evidence room and they handed me a kilo of cocaine and oh. I was like, I could just run right now. <laughs> oh, like I could just I mean they might stop me, but this is a kilo. Like if I'm ever gonna go out, like it's this. And it was like that five seconds and I was like get out of this room. Like, yeah, get yeah, out yeah, of this yeah. room. This is not a safe place for you. <laughs> so, I mean, I saw that as, like, a duty towards criminal justice and then also addiction. Like, that was one of the things where, like, as a, a an addict in recovery, just trying to explain that to a mass audience like Netflix or HBO has, you know? And so, yeah, yeah I, I got fucked up, but nothing like the gymnastics thing, which I literally felt different as a person. I like felt fearful of men. It was hard to like trust people, really hard to trust doctors. And so that was the one that really sort of bopped it. You guys look so uncomfortable right now. No, it's just the are saddest. You, are you kidding? I talk about being molested all the time. 
Yeah, I think for a lot of people, they're going through their own memories and they're recognizing moments that were inappropriate that they chose not to think too much about. I think after I've talked about it so much, I've had people go like, God, you know, I didn't really, I just, I was like, eh, my uncle's weird, you know, he's drunk. Uh, yeah, you write things off more than you Yeah, 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 an actor friend of mine was like, you know, I mean, yeah, my uncle's a drunk and sometimes he slept in my room and... I was just like, oh, my drunk uncle, you know, he's a loser in my family. But no, and that's that's an adult. 100%. Yeah, with an ulterior motive that you're supposed to trust. And that's fucking uh, worldview shattering, you know. It's like permanently changes your lens of this planet. Totally. Yeah. Well, I love you. It's been great to see you. I know. You got to come back in person. I know. I got to be honest. I, I walked into the attic today. I, I don't know why. I, I thought you were here. And I walked in. I was very excited to see you and hug you. And, I, and then I saw a computer sitting here. I was like, what the fuck? I thought mad. I was going to. Hey, you know what? Have... I will fly out next time. I'm all about the hugs. Like, I think that <laughs> truly, like, I just... Now I'm making documentaries to have conversations with both of you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's also like you get into it and your uh, the armchairs like get into it the same way. Like it's the exact prime audience for the stuff I make. So it's just oh, it's sure. always fun. And I just like I learn from how to go certain ways, listening to your guys's interviews and how to like you know, change the narrative and things like that. And I felt like I interrupted too much, but I am like so obsessed with Britney Spears. And so always excited. <laughs> you did not. You did, you did not. not at all. You're, you're the interviewee. You should always yeah. be interrupting. I think I did a, you know, I generally, that's my lane is the interrupting. That's, at least if you read my comment section. Well, I love you, Aaron, and I can't wait to see you in person. And I also can't wait to watch every single movie you continue to make. Yes. So you, prolific, sir. so young, so lovely, <laughs> so powerful. Aaron Lee Carr. Love you. Love you. Bye. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Batman. You look athletic. Thank you. Were you just on some kind of a record setting? I've done a lot of walking today. You have. How much? Is it Aris level? No, I wish. I have... Uh oh. I know. A grievance. Oh, you have a grievance. Well, With who? no, 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 no. I can't actually say it like that because it sounds bad. What? It's hard to walk here, Los Angeles. In what way? It's scary. Oh, you're scared. This is why you definitely need to be uh, carrying, you know. Nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. What do nope, they nope. call that? You need a concealed carry permit. I'm not doing that. Okay. How about a unconcealed? So you wear like a, a machine gun around your neck. <laughs> Is yeah. there any weapon you could bring that would make you feel safer? I don't think so. I think I just have to not do it or do it and be scared. Is there a third option? I don't know. I walked to a coffee shop, which was not my close coffee shop. Oh, okay. Where? Like towards Silver Lake? Yeah, it was um, by Kismet, for your reference. Oh, thank you. Uh -huh. um, you know, I passed Maru today Where? out on the town doing my errands, and it was I, there, 45 people outside. I'm and I looked for you, and then I panicked. So I was like, it's hard to grab one human out mm -hmm. of 45 mm -hmm. as you're blowing by. I went to a f Wow, that was a good foley. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a long walk, which is... Lovely, and yeah. I wish I could 
take more walks like that. But it was scared me. I don't know how much I can say because it's like bad. Is it all homeless people? Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah, yeah. But like well, really bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you, I, well, wouldn't it be weirder to pr- like pretend we, we don't, don't have, have a ton them? of homeless people? I know. Well, anytime there's like dishonesty, I don't feel like is the move. I saw one by Maru the other day. You saw one by Maru? Well, I saw his butthole, though. Oh. The homeless situation in L.A. is so bad. Oh, it's out of control. It's completely out of control. And it's really I think the only place you would get in trouble is if you now proposed a solution, and then you might get blowback because people disagreed with that. But to to point out that you are literally walking over human beings to go to a coffee shop. But I don't like feeling like I'm put out by that. Because that feels, but that feels so privileged. If you're mad at bad. joggers, you should definitely be mad at people literally living on the sidewalk. Joggers are privileged. Okay. They're jogging, <laughs> and they could easily take one step to the right. Yeah, it's so different. Yeah, I mean, I walked through like a camp. Yeah, and there was just stuff everywhere. I'm yeah, just like yeah, figuring yeah. out where to step, and also feeling very scared for myself. Yeah, of course. And then feeling very guilty. Yeah. It's very complicated. Can you walk me through the guilt? Yeah, like, I'm scared. I'm so privileged. I could take an Uber. I could take my car. I could do anything to avoid this. And they can't. And this is their life. Yeah, I'm just trying to then work out the policy that comes out of that. Like, so is it theirs? Like, that's a wrap on. Like, if you're privileged, just take an Uber. Because the sidewalk's now theirs. That's where they're living. And you can't really walk down it. But no one hurt me. That's the other thing. Like, right. if I'm really being honest, like, I'm scared, but no one, that's, is that on me? Yeah, I guess there's there's some different issues to parse out. Yeah. One is, like, should a city allow people to live on the sidewalk that people use to commute places? And, I, I mean, I think no. I think that's not a great, you know, civic plan. I do think part of it is the city is hard to live in unless you are very privileged. Right. But when you were making 3000 a month, what part of town did you go rent in? And I have a family who can take care of me at any moment. Like, it's not the same thing. Well, I'm saying that there are very inexpensive cities to live in. And then there's very, very expensive cities to live in. And there's really nothing one can do to prevent the market from producing that outcome. Unless we're getting rid of capitalism. This is a really, really expensive city. So if I have no means uh, and I want to have a house, I'm going to go somewhere where it's obtainable. It's not obtainable. You're not, you can't possibly be coming here thinking you're going to get a house. This is the most expensive place other than Manhattan. Like I wouldn't go to Manhattan. So some of it's like, you can't pretend we live in a different reality, which is LA because of the incredible price per square foot as has Manhattan and San Francisco and all these places. We can't afford to be putting up um, tens of thousands of people in houses in this city. We, they'd have to get services outside the most expensive real estate in the world. It's just not a, it's a, it's an insane plan. I don't know enough to speak on it, which is why I sort of feel weird talking about it. Like there are other cities in the world, not in America, that I think do a much better job than we're doing. And I don't know what they're doing. Well, I, I do. They aren't republics, so they don't have 50 states within the country setting drastically different policies uh, where some states are incentivizing homelessness and some places are de-incentivizing. 
and then virtually California, Oregon, and Washington get stuck with the bill. That's that's the reality of what's going on. People in other states are putting homeless folks on buses here. Mm -hmm. And so in a republic where three of the states are going to bear the burden of all 50, that's what's fucked up about the policy. Yeah. That's, that's what they true. can they can do it in England. Yeah. You know, it's hard for me to look at it in a policy way. I mean, I know we have to and I do, but today on my walk, I don't. I look at it as people <laughs> who I'm walking over. Yes. And of course I feel guilty. Yeah. I mean, you could get into a hundred different reasons why. I just for sanitation, people, that's, there's no facilities out there. There's no trash, you know, yeah. it's, it's unhealthy what's happening. Now I can have great compassion for them. Yeah. I'm so grateful that I'm not in that predicament for sure. But I also can't, because I feel bad for them, co-sign on, on a plan to fix it. That's not going to work. Yeah. There's probably going to have to be a federal homeless approach because it's just not working. <laughs> Yeah, but again, it's not working because a lot of states don't have to look at it. And we do. So we're right. inundated, and that's not really fair to us. It's not. Like, no. But but other states don't is, understand. The question is, if we had no more services than Texas, do you think someone actually crosses 1,500 miles to get here if there's no, no incentive to arrive? This is going to be more expensive when you get here? I think there is an incentive in just that it's a nicer place to be. Well, I don't think you could say like that LA is nicer than Austin. You could bathe at Barton Springs. We observe some of that. Well, yes. to be fair, not at Barton Springs on the other side of the dam. At anyway, that was my walk. So tell us about your day of hard labor. Well, my list is it's 22 items long. Most of it's mechanical things. And just in a nutshell, everything that could possibly prevent it from happening easily. It has happened. Today. Well, tell people what you're doing and why you're doing. Okay, this. I am. Um, I've invited five of my male friends to go to the sand dunes for five days, mm -hmm. and I have all the shit. So I have razors. I got to get out there. Three razors. I got to get out there. The sand car. I got to get out there. The motorhome. I got to get out there. Two trailers. None of the other guys that have shit, right? Yeah. So I got to get all that cracking, and yeah. let's just start with like. The locks on the back of the trailer, which I need to open the door so I can get the sand car out, put the key in. There's only one key. It snaps immediately. So I'm like, okay. Uh-oh. Now what? Yeah. Go to Home Depot. Oh, no. Buy a set of bolt cutters. Also buy a battery-powered uh, grinder and started charging the grinder and thought, well, I'll give it a, I'll give it a shot with these bolt cutters. Mm -hmm. And I got through them. It was not easy, but I got through them. Uh, got in the sand car to move it out. There's a cylinder in the clutch mm -hmm. that um, makes it go in and out. Uh, and it was in gear. And then that cylinder was losing pressure and just letting the clutch out. So then backing out of the trailer, there was virtually no control over backing out of the trailer because the clutch was just in engaged. And then so I kind of just blew out the trailer and broke the steel cable. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, you know, and this is this is nothing. This was one of uh, of sixteen things today that Eesh. that went uh, sideways. I think I kept a really good attitude. Good. At first, I would go like, "You're not going to make it. You're going. You're running out of time. You're not going to be able to leave on time." And then I would go, "Shut up. Just plod along." And I kept plodding. We got to add one more thing. I went walking with Sedaris. Oh, my God. Of course we have to talk about that. Yes. Um, met him at 7 a.m., which is in itself really funny because, as you know, I don't really wake up early ever yeah. for nothing. 
and I was up at 4.45 so I could do all my business, <laughs> be in Beverly Hills by 7. And we walked six and a half miles, and it was so fun. It was so fun. What are uh, the highlights? Well, probably, I think I told you already, but I think the highlight for me was we stopped at Starbucks, and he was carrying two cups back because he had gotten one for Hugh. And they didn't give him one of those uh, insulating sleeves. Mm -hmm. And I could tell it was it's too hot. It was too hot for him. Yeah. So I took mine off and I gave it to him. And then he said, "What? but now you have the thing. And I said, yeah, but you're my elder. And then he said, well, I don't know about that. And I said, look, this is the same as when you call someone at the front line. You got to make up an excuse. I'm just carrying it. I thought of it the other day because I was in the exact same position. I didn't get a sleeve. They didn't give you a it sleeve. It was too hot and no one could save me oh my gosh yeah. oh my god Are you, did you burn your hand yeah. off oh yeah. wow it's off oh my gosh that's off yeah so anyways that was fun and so super fun. adorable and then we went and seen him read his stuff and i had not previously been to one of his readings nor anybody's reading ever i've never gone and seen someone read a book and what was really fun is there's stories that aren't in books oh that's fun that adds a really cool yeah. novel incentive to go. Yeah. It was so fun. Okay, Aaron. Now, this is kind of fascinating, and we didn't even plan. This was always going to come out now, but Brittany is free. Yes. This seems like we're out seems to like lunch. We planned, well, seems like we planned it. I know, but the whole conversation is like whether or not she'll get out and should she get out, and then, and, but everyone already knows she got out. So it seems like we didn't get, get the news. I guess it depends on how you look at it, but yes. Ah. Yeah, and you have complicated feelings, and so do I. No, I mean, in general, I think I hopefully was really clear about yeah. that. It's like, yes, she should have her autonomy yeah. if she's going to work and do all that stuff. And I'm terrified. I know you're worried yeah. about her. Yeah, I, I get it. So, so do I. But uh, but I'm happy. People have a right to smoke cigarettes. If exactly. They want. Yeah. I know so many people who. If I could pick, had someone controlling their life, I probably would. And, right. they, and they don't. And they don't. And so she shouldn't. Wait, you would pick someone that should have their life controlled? I mean, if there's people who are so... Oh, in line in front of her. Yeah, exactly. There are uh -huh. so many people that I would pick before her. I got you. I thought you, were, I thought you were hinting at someone specific. No, no, no. Uh -oh. I just mean like... There are people who are so erratic in so many ways that I would be yeah. like, yeah, maybe they need someone there. Yeah. Before her. Yeah. But it's going to lead to so many other th questions and things. And I know. It's not over. Anywho. Oh, I looked up who else has had conservatorships. Ooh. I found a couple. Amanda Bynes. Okay. She had a mental health issue in 2014. Mm -hmm. So she was put on a conservatorship. Uh. Mickey Rooney. Really? In 2011. Oh, okay. It's quite old at that point. Correct. Right? Yeah. Correct. I think there was like a money thing and then mm. Brian Wilson. Oh, lead singer and songwriter of the Beach Boys. Mm -hmm. In the 90s. In the 90s. Yeah. I don't think he still is under one, but he was under one. Well, they're a little more common. Than it does seem, I will say, like the other ones feel a little more... Elderly? They feel a little more, like, protective. Mm. And then they're done. Temporary. They end at a time. Yeah, yeah. Of all the things, I find the legal fees the most infuriating. You that. Uh, yeah, I really do. Okay, the doc about the independent news station. Yeah. Is called Small Town News 
KPVM Perump. KPVM Perump. That's hard to say. Yeah. KPVM Perump. Oh, yeah. Small town news. <laughs> It's really funny. Did you ever watch? You didn't see any of it, did no, you? No, I need to. Yeah. But Pahrump reminds me so much of one of my favorite shows, Studio 60, on oh. the Sunset Strip. Why? Because there's an episode where one of the guys gets stuck in Pahrump. Okay. Pahrump, Nevada. What was he doing out there? Chicken ranch or something? No, there was like there was like a sad story about him and his brother. And oh. I think he was in a war. Okay, it was dramatic. Brother. It was dramatic. Okay, great. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Watched it so much. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> a lot of heavy hitters there: Tommy Schlamy and Sorkin, Matthew Perry, Bradley Whitford, who has been on Whitford. This show. Mm. I mean, really, truly heavy hitters. Sarah Paulson is in that show. SP. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I should check it. Really good show. <laughs> really good show. <laughs> Oh, this was sad. Okay, you said you think in a Malcolm Gladwell book, it says only 6% of people who experimented with cocaine get addicted. Yeah. I looked up that stat. I typed in Malcolm Gladwell, but I couldn't find it. But then I was going to email Malcolm and ask him. But then I couldn't find his email. Okay. So then I gave up. (laughs) Okay. But I'm going to keep looking for his email because I know I have I don't think he knows his books, though. He said that on here. But he can email his publisher. <laughs> he can do the dirty work for me. I'm sure he's, you know, clearly he's quoting some study. Of course. Yeah. I'll dig around. I'll snoop around. So will I, but <laughs> I wanted to get right to the source. Mainly because I don't know if the study is true, but I want to know if he said it. Because we can't say that he said a oh, thing if right. that's not true. But that's, isn't that kind of what I do? I think everything I've ever read is from a Malcolm Gladwell I know. book. Yeah. So it's incumbent on me to Some of it's make... probably Freakonomics. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I want to make sure he's not getting like roped into a thing he shouldn't get roped into. Right. But he gets someone goes out and try, experiments with cocaine based on his data, and then they become addicted. And then, yeah, he's liable. So I'm going to keep reaching out, keep searching through my all inbox folder. Okay, great. For his email. And uh, then uh, TBD. TBD. Still don't know the sweater brand. <laughs> Not going to find out. Oh. <laughs> Love you. Love you.